Welcome to Off The Grid Radio. Better ideas to bust you and your family out of today's global control grid. Now, here's today's show. Hi, welcome to another edition of Off The Grid Radio. I'm Michael Faust of OffGridNews.com. Herbal remedies are growing in popularity, but many homesteaders and off-graders nevertheless feel unqualified when the subject of herbs is raised, not knowing how to grow them or even what to grow. Well, we're going to try to fix that today on today's edition of All Through Radio. Our guest is Tammy Hartung, an organic farmer, herbal expert, and author who has a book, Homegrown Herbs, that tells you just about everything you need to know to get growing medicinal herbs right in your home. We're going to talk to her in a moment, but first, let me tell you about today's sponsor. Today's sponsor is GrowLikeCrazy.com. Visit GrowLikeCrazy.com and learn about an all-natural fertilizer that can double your garden's production throughout the year. You can use it indoors or outdoors. You can use it in grow pots, which I do. Check it out, GrowLikeCrazy.com. Tammy, thanks so much for joining us. We've had you on before. We really enjoyed it. Welcome back to the program. I'm really happy to be back with you. The, the complete title of your book is uh, Homegrown Herbs, A Complete Guide to Growing, Using, and Enjoying More Than 100 Herbs. I'm just curious, Tammy, how, how did you get um, interested in, in herbs? I've been interested in herbs my whole life, I think, and I could probably contribute that to a great aunt that I used to visit as a child, and she was quite an herbalist in her own right. And she was always concocting things and growing things, and, and I was very interested. Um, a lot of my family thought it was uh, just silliness, but I really found it fascinating. And let me, let me ask you the $1,000 question here. What is an herb? What is an herb? Well, that depends on who you ask. That's if right. you ask a botanist, they will tell you that an herb is something that has foliage above the ground um, and dies back in the winter and is not tropical. But if you ask an herbalist what an herb is, we would tell you that it's any plant that has a use to people or animals. So that could be anything, tropical or temperate zone. It could be medicinal plant. It could be a vine, a tree, um, any, anything, an annual. Mm-hmm. You know, so any plant that has a purpose that you can use it for, whether it's cooking or medicine or fragrance or to make tea, to make clothing, those are all herbs. And we're going, you and I are going to talk about tea and herbs in a, in a, in a moment here. You, you were mentioning something off air that I think is, is important because we're going to be talking about 10 medicinal herbs that people can grow, you know, in their home. But you wanted to at least, uh, you know, give people some caution here, and that is that you know, you need to contact a healthcare provider if, you know, you really are real sick. Um, wh- what else would you add, add there just to, you know, just to kind of give people caution before we dive into these? Oh, I would just say that herbs are fantastic for supporting health. They're really good for many illnesses, and they're also very good for supporting you or working in partnership when you have a serious illness. But if you have a really big injury or a very serious illness or disease, you should get help from a healthcare professional, whether that's a doctor or whether it's an herbalist to consult with or whoever it might be that's appropriate for the situation. And that way you'll be able to use the herbs most effectively. Well, I think, you know, one thing I said earlier is that, you know, (laughs) I don't know many people who who don't enjoy herbs and the thought of growing herbs indoors, but I think once they get past three or four, they really don't know you know, what else they can grow indoors and, and what, 
what they can use it for. So let's let's dive in here, Tammy, and, and if you will, for each of these, um, if you can kind of give us a sense of the medicinal uses for it, but also how people can grow it. Uh, the first one on the list of 10 herbs that we'll talk about today is California poppy. California poppy. Tell us uh, you know, what we should know about California poppy. California poppy, if you were growing it in the garden, would be considered a self-seeding annual, so something that lives one year but reseeds itself, and so you get new plants coming up voluntarily the next season. Um, but it also is a plant that will grow very nicely in a sunny window in your house. It does need to be kept a little bit on the dry side, and it does need to be in sunlight. If it's not in sunlight, the flowers will stay closed because they close at night or they close when it's cloudy. And so California poppy, great plant to grow, whether it's indoors or outdoors. And this is a fantastic herb for sleep, helping you to sleep at night in a way that is very healthy and good but also for mild to moderate pain management. So if you have a headache or you have a backache or whatever like that, arthritis, um, this would be a, a good herb to use. And you use actually the whole plant. So you need to plan accordingly when you're growing it that you're going to be pulling this plant out of the gr- ground when you need it to include the root as well as the leafy parts and flowers if they are present. And you can use it to make a tea. You can use it to make tincture, or you could use it to make an herbal honey that would then be like a cough syrup to quiet a cough. Um, so it's a, it's a really good multi-purpose herb, and it's non-addictive. Many poppies have addictive properties, and so you do need to be mindful of how you use them, but this one does not, and, and pretty much anyone can use it. So um, it's it's safe to use, and it's a really good remedy if you have trouble to sleep at night. I use it regularly, every night just about, to help me sleep. The next one on the list, uh, Tammy, is one that I think most people are going to you know, know about. At least they've seen the word on you know, medicine at the store, or they might have even uh, grown it themselves. Echinacea. Uh, echinacea is a big one. Tell us uh, all about that one. Echinacea is probably one of the most familiar medicinal herbs to all of us because We know it to be good as a remedy for cold and flu symptoms. We know that it's uh, good for supporting the immune system. Um, So it's it's not something that people will, I mean, it is something that they will recognize. In terms of growing it, it's a perennial plant, so it comes back every year, and they can grow to be quite elderly plants in the wild, up to 150, 200 years old. If you want to grow them in your garden, you want to plant them someplace where the, the moisture drains off of them, but um, they're not too fussy about sun or shade, and um, you know they don't care too much about what the quality of the soil is either, which is good if you live in a place like I do where the soil is not real rich loam kind of soil. If you want to grow it indoors in a pot, you need something that is at least 12 inches deep because it does have a tap root and so it needs some root space but aside from that it'll grow fine in a pot indoors water it once a week and you're good to go so this plant you can use the root the leaves the flowers and the seeds to for medicine making and oftentimes when you read information about it it talks just about the roots but when I was managing an extract laboratory we had um, 
TLC, which is thin layer chromatography tests that we could test for constituent levels, and all the constituents are present in all parts of echinacea. So it doesn't matter which part you use. And I think that's important to know because if it's a perennial, you might want to just harvest the leaves and flowers and seeds rather than digging it up and taking the root as well. And this is something that if you get a cold, you can use it to help treat the symptoms. It will help manage a fever, although fevers are not necessarily bad things unless they've become too high and too long and are starting to be depleting. Um, it's very good for bacterial, viral, and fungal infections, so it's, it's very supportive of all those things. And for uh, supporting the immune system, if you want to support the immune system with echinacea, you should use it as a tea. If you want to stimulate the immune system with echinacea, you would use it as a fresh plant tincture. I tell you that because people who have autoimmune disorders do not want to stimulate their immune system. They just want to support it. So they should stay away from those fresh plant tinctures of echinacea. Let me ask you a question about just kind of all of these. Uh, this is a growing question. How much light do these herbs need? Are we talking about minimal light and they'll be fine? Uh, most of them will grow fine indoors in bright but indirect light. So not on a north side of the building, but in a southwest mm-hmm. or east-facing window should be fine. Um, there are a few, like California poppy, that needs to be in direct sunlight. Otherwise, the flowers won't open. Okay, that's helpful. Uh, let's turn to number three on the list, which is garlic. We normally think of garlic as something you grow outdoors, but you're saying you can grow it indoors as well. You can grow it indoors, and I would encourage you to always have a pot or two of garlic growing You plant garlic in the late summer or fall, even if you're growing it indoors, and you plant the individual cloves of the bulb. You don't have to skin them, so you just plant them, and they're tear-shaped, and so you plant them with the pointed end of the the little clove up. Um, And so once you have them growing, you know, I like to grow them in like a rectangular um, window box kind of thing, because then I can put three or four individual cloves in the same box and space them out about four inches apart, and that way as they develop a bulb on the bottom, there's room for them to do that. While that's happening, you can use the tops. You can cut them just like green onions and use them in cooking. But once the bulb has become mature, the tops will turn yellow and die back, and that's when you know that it's time to harvest the bulb. Now, the bulb is the part that's medicinal, And a clove of garlic has as much sulfur in it as an an injection of penicillin. So this is really useful as sort of your herbal alternative to uh, penicillin if you had a cold or a sore throat or what have you. Now, again, if you have something really serious going on, go get some help. Um, for that, but for normal kinds of illnesses, garlic is fantastic. It's also really good for fungal infections, and it's something that if you eat garlic regularly, like a clove every day, for example, or you take it in a tincture form, then you can manage your blood pressure, your cholesterol as well, your bad cholesterol levels. Sure. So um, useful in, in all those ways. Let's talk about a couple more before we take a quick break. Uh, The fourth one on the list is ginger. Uh, Tell us uh, what we need to know about ginger. Ginger is 
is a very nice house plant. It can be put out on the patio in the summer when the weather is warm, but it really does need to be treated as a house plant for the most part. And ginger has a rhizome type of root, which is similar to an iris. It grows sideways. Um, so when you plant it in the pot, you have a pot full of soil. Say your pot is six inches deep. You're going to plant it about three inches down and put the root sideways, laying on its side. Does that make sense? Yes. And and then cover it over with soil. So it's not planted terribly deep. And then you have to be patient because it does take ginger a long time to decide to sprout. Um, but you can go to a health food store and buy an organic ginger root, and you can plant that. It does need to be organic because if it's not, it's been treated with a non-sprouting agent to keep it from sprouting. So... Ginger in the house needs to be in indirect light. Don't put it in full sun. It will hate that. And water it once a week. And once it sends up a shoot, um, then it's going to continue to do that. And each shoot is going to be a new piece of root. The root is multiplying under the soil. And then again, once a year, usually in January or February, I take all my ginger out of the pot the whole pot will be full of ginger by that time, and I plant back one little section into fresh soil, and that's going to be my ginger harvest for the following year, and the, re- the other ginger that I harvested can be used for cooking or for medicine. Ginger is the best thing I know for nausea and um, flu-like symptoms, but also for morning sickness and motion sickness and altitude sickness, anything where you get that nausea, um, throwing up, dizzy kind of, you know, feeling. And it will work fantastic either as a tea or honey or um, in a tincture form or as a vinegar, but you have to taste it. If you take it in a capsule form where you don't actually taste it, it doesn't work because it starts with the taste buds sending a message to the digestive tract that says, there's ginger on the way, calm down, settle down. So that's really important. Uh, the fifth one on the list before the break is lavender. Uh, I mean, this is lavender is one of my favorites, honestly, Tammy. I went to a lab. I was at a, uh, a place in Washington State a few years ago and, and got to experience a lavender field, which is one of the more incredible uh, sensory experiences I think I've ever had. But you're saying it can be grown indoors, and, and it's also a good uh, medicinal herb. Tell us about it. Right. So lavender is, is like you say, it's so most glorious fragrance herb, and it's so beautiful. It's a great attractor for pollinators. In your house, lavender is the one herb on this list that is, if there is one that's going to give you a little trouble indoors, it's going to be lavender. It needs to be in full sun, and don't overwater it. So water it when the ground um, in the pot feels uh, just slightly moist. Don't let it go bone dry, but if it has a lot of moisture in it, wait a little while to water it. Otherwise, the lavender will melt down in the pot. Um, it is perennial. Most lavenders are perennial. Um, they're not all hardy, so sometimes they will die outside in the cold winter if you have them in the garden. But if you have them in the house, they will continue on indefinitely. And it is the foliage and or the flowers that we use medicinally. So for essential oil and a lot of fragrance purposes, they use just the flowers, but for medicine purposes, you can use the, the leaves as well as the flowers. So even if there are no flowers, you're still in business. 
this is a really good stress-relieving herb. And honestly, we think about chamomile all the time as being something that's soothing and calming and good for sleep, but lavender is every bit as good or better than chamomile, I feel. And it's really nice. And lavender tea is delicious. It's something that the first time you drink it, you may not be sure about it because it has a little bit of that same taste as it smells. So you got to get used to that. Um, but it's, it's really good. And lavender honey is delicious. Um, so anytime you want to treat a headache or sleep or stress and anxiety, lavender is, is what you should think of. Just to uh, recap what we've talked about, California poppy was one, echinacea two. Then we talked about garlic, ginger, and then lavender. Tammy, let's take a quick break. Uh, when we return, we'll continue our discussion, look at the other um, uh, five herbs on our list, and we'll also talk about some other books that Tammy has written. We'll be right back. If you've ever wanted to grow the absolute best-tasting fruits and vegetables imaginable, here's some exciting news. There's a new product designed to make growing delicious produce easy. It's called Proto-Grow, and it's dynamite in the garden. Proto-Grow is a bioactive superfood for plants that works by providing true, broad-spectrum nutrition, allowing plants to achieve their full genetic expression. What does this mean in the garden? It means mouth-watering fruits and vegetables, brilliantly colored flowers, herbs that finally grow to medicinal strength, blue-ribbon garden produce jam-packed with bioavailable minerals and trace elements, giant pumpkins, even high-potency, high-bricks wheatgrass. Proto-Grow Grow is a proprietary blend of full-spectrum nutrients from the sea. It literally contains the basic building blocks of life itself. In fact, Proto-Grow is so effective at producing rapid plant growth in record time that it almost forces plants to grow even under the worst light and soil conditions. It's also perfect for growing your own survival foods and might just be the ultimate hard times barter item. To grow tastier fruits and vegetables right now, go to growlikecrazy.com. That's growlikecrazy.com or call 877-327-0365. 877-327-0365. Off the Grid News, because you want a different paradigm. Tammy, let's uh, continue talking about our list of 10 herbs, medicinal herbs that that people can grow indoors. Uh, Number six on the list is lemon balm. Um, what, What do we need to know about that one? Well, lemon balm was the very first herb I ever grew, and it is one of my favorites because it has so many purposes. Excuse me. So it is perennial. It's a wonderful house herb to grow on your countertop or your tabletop. Um, It is something that will grow easily in indirect light. It'll tolerate full sun if you have only a very bright, sunny window. And again, water it every four to five days. And so lemon balm is known for stress. Um, anxiety, calming, to be a calming kind of herb. And it's delicious as tea. I mean, imagine the most lemony flavor that you can, and that's lemon balm. So it's really a delicious tea. It makes a wonderful honey, and it is really nice as a tincture, too, if you want to use it that way. But what we often don't know about lemon balm is that it's one of our very best antiviral herbs. And it's especially good for viruses that attack the nerve endings. So these are things like shingles, um, Bell's palsy, even chicken pox. It's not going to get rid of the chicken pox, but it's going to help address the symptoms and make it much more comfortable. 
And so whenever you think about viruses, um, if you get cold sores, you know, it's, this is a lemon balm situation. You can make it into an ointment or a salve and use it topically if you want. Um, it's great. It's also really good for digestion. So if you have an upset stomach, you ate too much food at a holiday meal or too much sugar and you just feel kind of awful, uh, lemon balm will help get that process through your digestive tract and, and get that calmed down. It's a fantastic herb for kids as well. So really good to use with children. Number seven on the list is nettles. Uh, what type of nettles are we talking about, Tammy? I'm talking about stinging nettles. Gotcha. I thought so. <laughs> always scares everybody. But um, an herb worth knowing about, I would not be without this plant either growing in a container or in, in my house or in my garden because it is a wonderful food plant as well as a medicine plant. But here is the thing. When nettles is fresh, um, it does have an oil on the, the little plant hairs, and that's called formic acid. And it's, if it gets on the skin, it stings or burns, and it feels like a really bad sunburn. And it does go away after 45 minutes to a couple of hours, but it isn't comfortable in the meantime. So if you're handling fresh nettles, you should wear gloves. And otherwise, once it's dry, that oil evaporates, or if you cook it or heat it in some fashion, like if you're making tea, then that oil evaporates and it's no longer going to cause that stinging sensation to your skin. So that's the most important thing I can tell you about nettles is handle it with respect and care. Um, if you want to use it medicinally, this is what we call a whole body tonic. So it addresses every single body system that you have. It's good for the urinary tract. It's wonderful for the digestive system. It's really good for the respiratory tract. So if you have trouble with asthma or um, just chronic bronchitis, things like that, Drinking nettles tea helps to build and nourish blood. So great for the skin if you have rashes or um, hives. Nettles can help you with that as well. So it's a whole body tonic. It's something that's gentle that you can use regularly. Um, and so, you know, use it as a tea. Make uh, marinated nettles with olive oil and vinegar and cook with it as a way to get your medicine through your food or make a tincture out of it. Any way you want to use it will work. Number eight on the list is oats. Right. Uh, yeah, so tell us. <laughs> well, what do you another, mean by that? <laughs> another one like garlic and ginger that we typically think of as food. But oats, again, is a very nourishing tonic herb. Now, this is an annual. So when you plant it in a pot, growing it in your house, put it in a sunny location. It's going to grow like grass because it is a type of grass. And as it's growing up, you can cut the tops, if you want, of the grassy part and make that into tea. Or you can let it go all the way to the point of forming seeds, oat seeds, which is the part that I like to use because that's the strongest part of this plant for medicine. So once you see the oat seeds, when they get fat and plump, if you squeeze them, they spurt out a white milky juice. So we refer to them as milky oats. And that's the best medicine part. And so this is for skin. If you've ever seen Aveeno products in the store, that's a, something that's available everywhere. But it's oat-based. It's good. Oats calm and soothe the skin. So you can use them, make a tea out of them, 
and make a wash. You can put them in your bath if you've got chicken pox and it'll soothe that, or if you've gotten into poison ivy, something like that. Um, it's really good for bone and muscle health, and especially for maintaining bone strength. So drinking oat seed tea or oat straw tea is fantastic to do and easy, easy to grow. Uh, we're talking to Tammy Hartong. She's the author of uh, Homegrown Herbs. Uh, Tammy, let's go ahead and talk about number nine on the list, which is the mints. Now, you're saying mints of any kind. Uh, so what's the big deal about mints? Right, mints of any kind. So I'm, I like people to know that because some people like spearmint, but they don't like peppermint or vice versa. Or maybe they're wondering about all those fruity-tasting mints like apple mint or orange mint grapefruit mint. So all of them work the same way in terms of medicine making, and all of them are the same in terms of their growing needs. Mint needs to be in its own container because it roots up in the pot really quickly. If you plant it with other types of herbs, it'll choke everybody else out. It's not a good neighbor. But it's easy to grow in a pot. It needs indirect light, and you would water it every three to four days. Most of the time, we want to start with a mint plant, not seeds, because most mint grown from seed will just kind of taste green and slightly minty, but not have a really strong flavor. The oils are not present. That comes with um, mints that have been vegetatively propagated. So go get yourself a mint plant. And spearmint is what we think of as invigorating, um, relieves anxiety, it's uplifting, so it's really good for stress and anxiety. It's good for cranky children, um, cranky adults. <laughs> <laughs> it's wonderful. All the mints are really wonderful for digestive benefits. So if you're having trouble digesting your food properly, they're really rich sources of calcium. So good, good for that. Um, peppermint is more warming and stimulating, so it's very useful for addressing headache pain, uh, muscle spasms, uh, menstrual cramping, back spasms, anything like that where you've got muscles that are tightening up and, and real sore and uncomfortable, then peppermint is what you want to think of. And you can either drink it as a tea, you can put it on topically, um, you know, it doesn't matter so much how you use it, but it's it's going to be really great for as an anti-spasmodic kind of herb. Let me uh, give everybody a quick recap here before we hit number ten. Uh, the the nine that we've discussed so far: California poppy was one, echinacea, garlic, ginger, lavender, lemon balm, nettles, oats, and then mints of any kind. And number ten on the list, Tammy, is thyme. T h y m e thyme. Um, yeah, how can people benefit from, from growing that indoors? So thyme growing indoors is a must-do. Um, you want to grow it in a pot in a sunny window. It will grow in indirect bright light, um, and keep it on the drier side. So the soil needs to have a little moisture in it, but not soggy. It hates that. Um, aside from that, though, there's lots of different varieties of thymes. There's the basic cooking culinary thyme. There's lemon thyme, orange, spice. There's one called spicy orange that's like orange and cinnamon flavored thyme. There's a lot of them to choose from. 
And you can cook with them, of course, since you've got that in your kitchen. But this is a very, very good medicine plant. And we, we often think about herbs just in one way. You know, we think about basil just as being a cooking herb. We think about thyme just as being a cooking herb. But thyme is a really good medicine plant for the respiratory tract. And so if you've got a cold with a cough or a lot of congestion in your chest or your head is all stuffed up and you've got sinus issues going on, you can use thyme as a way to address that. It has good antiviral and antibacterial as well as antifungal properties. And you can use it as a tea. You can just put your a tablespoon of fresh thyme on your baked potato and take your medicine as part of your lunch if you want. It doesn't make so much difference how you use it, just that you do use it at least once a day or a couple times a day if you are acutely ill. If you need to dress um, fungal infections, like say somebody's got athlete's foot, they can make a really strong tea from thyme and use it as a foot soak. Um, soak their feet in there while they're reading a book for half an hour. Um, that will help with that fungal infection. So. This is a multifaceted herb. It's easy to grow. It smells wonderful. If you infuse thyme leaves in some olive oil, um, dry the, the leaves first and then infuse them in olive oil and strain them out in 14 days, that oil that you just did is a really good massage oil for when you have sore, achy muscles. So if, if your back is bothering you or you've got a sore shoulder, you can massage that in and it will help um, for that. So you know, great plant. Don't think of it just for your soup anymore. I think if anyone has been listening to you uh, for this entire show, they, they realize that you're, uh, I'm just complimenting you here, an encyclopedia of knowledge when it comes to herbs. And let me give people the title of the book again. It's Home, Homegrown Herbs, A Complete Guide to Growing, Using, and Enjoying More Than 100 Herbs. I believe the publisher, who's the publisher of that? Um, publisher is Story Publishing. Gotcha. And, you've, and they've also published another one that you've written, um, which is Cattail Moonshine and Milkweed Medicine, The Curious Stories of 43 Amazing North American Native Plants. And you've written a couple of others. Can you tell us about those as well? Right. Um, the very first book that I wrote was called Growing 101 Herbs That Heal, and that one is no longer in print, but you might find it at a used bookstore or at the library. Sure. And then the wildlife-friendly vegetable gardener is about growing food in a positive relationship with nature. So encouraging wildlife when you want to encourage them and how to handle wildlife challenges in a, in a more peaceful kind of way when you need to address problems. I like that. And, and you also have a website. Tell us the website in case people want to uh, get more information uh, about you. I do have a website. It's um, desertcanyonfarm.wordpress.com, and I blog on that website, but also it's an educational website, so it's just filled with recipes, gardening tips, how to make your own medicine step-by-step. Step. Um, it talks about all the things happening here at the farm as well, so lots and lots of information and pictures and fun things to explore on that website. Awesome. We would enjoy it. We would uh, encourage people, I should say, to check out that website and check out Tammy's uh, other books. Tammy, we always enjoy talking to you. Thanks for, uh, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Our sponsor was GrowLikeCrazy.com. Visit it and learn about an all-natural fertilizer that can double your garden's production throughout the year. You can use it indoors or outdoors. 
Check it out, growlikecrazy.com. You can also visit offthegridnews.com for the best homesteading and off-grid features you'll find anywhere. We're also on Facebook, Pinterest, and Twitter. Keywords, Off the Grid News. With engineer Richard Moore, this has been Michael Faust. Please join us again next week for another edition of Off the Grid Radio.